Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the In the 11 podcast hosted by myself, Brendan Griffiths. We are here for episode 42 of the podcast. And today in the 11, we have, I'm excited about our first ever female professional player onto the show. Jess Johnson joins us in the 11 this week, and she discusses her extremely illustrious and successful collegiate career and now her pursuits overseas playing professionally in Kazakhstan. So she has some great stories from Kazakhstan, from college, from navigating the professional world, and it is a great episode for you all. So I will toss you over there in just a second. Before we go, again, if you want to check out Mystery Sport, if you want to grab yourself a kit, a bundle box, some fresh new jerseys for yourself, you can use code in the 11 at checkout. That's mysterysport.co. And also, if you can go ahead and become a patron of the show, the Patreon link pasted down below, I would greatly appreciate that. It helps the show grow helps support the show and lets us keep doing awesome episodes like this, like this one with Jess and allows the show to continue to, to grow and, and broaden its horizon. So if you could do that, that would be greatly appreciated as well. Without further ado, here is Jess. All right. We are joined by Jess Johnson, all the way over in Kazakhstan. I would ask you how the level is in, in play, but I know we were speaking before and you said you're just coming off a seven, a seven nothing victory. So I think that maybe answers my questions about the level. But how you doing? I'm good. Um I actually made a mistake. The game was actually 11 nothing. So if 7 nothing wasn't enough, um 11 should really I guess tell you a little bit more about how the league is. But yeah. I mean that's just the Kazakh league. We tend to do that to a lot of teams here and unfortunately for them, we play them twice back to back. So it's kind of Ooh. a beat down. Yeah, just yeah, I could kind of tell by your message and you're like, it was seven or something like that. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> One of those games where you have to ask your teammates at the end what the score even was. <laughs> yeah, well, and so I'm a center back, mm-hmm. so I didn't do any of the scoring. So for me, it was kind of just watching one person after the next just like, <laughs> score, score and score. And eventually I was, I stopped counting because why even count at that point yeah at that point you know you're just you're just watching an attacking drill for your team (laughs) yeah I become an observer at some point basically someone in the stands so I want to learn a little bit more about this we'll definitely go back and talk about your career at Monmouth and how you eventually made your way over here but how why is there that big difference in the level are you one of the only teams that has foreigners or what like what causes this kind of difference in the level right now for you um we definitely have more foreigners than other Kazakh teams Um, okay but the interesting thing is and I don't know if they do this other places you can only have I think it's 
five foreigners on the field at a time. Okay. Uh, and we have more than just American foreigners here. We have some Serbians. We have some girls from Zambia. Um, we have a girl from Georgia. Uh, we all count toward that five. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I think having foreigners helps just because it does bring a little extra t- to the table, especially as Americans. I mean, the American game is way different than probably any other country's game. Um, yeah. For- so I think we do heighten that level and it is not trying to hype up the Americans too much, but uh, it probably is mainly because we have more foreigners than them. Okay. So how many Americans did you come over to this team with? It was me and two others. So it was me, an outside back and a goalie. Okay. Gotcha. And I know we'll get into it a little bit more as like we mentioned before getting on air, the Kazakhstan stories, but how much has that been at least making the transition a little bit easier with having some other Americans that you can kind of navigate this, this foreign world with. It has honestly made the biggest difference. There were four Americans here before we got here. Okay. And two of them have been here for three years and the other two are close to a year. Wow. Um, yeah. So the two that have been here for three years have had a lot of time to adjust and um, get the lay of the land pretty much. They know which which restaurants are good, where we can go for um, whatever it is that we need, which mm-hmm. is really nice. because Obviously, they speak a different language here and everything's written in a different language. Um which is kind of fun because you're you constantly don't really know what you're reading. Yeah. Which is part of fun of it. Um, but having them here and honestly, even the girls that aren't from America, um, most of the girls speak English. Okay. Partly, uh, which makes it a lot easier because they're trying to communicate with us. Yeah. But yeah, no, having the Americans here helped me a lot because I was able to ask all of those questions. Like, where do we go for food? Where do we take our laundry? Like all of these little things that you wouldn't really think about before you get somewhere, but are actually really important things to know once you're there. Yeah. So with them, I would be totally lost, totally lost. Yeah. I think for me, like you talk about something important there. The thing I noticed then when I came back to America after being in foreign countries was like, there were so many things that you just take for granted, you know, like just, Again, like you said, walking into a store and understanding all the signage or understanding everything that's on a shelf or like if you're in a restaurant, everything that's on the menu. If somebody says something to you, always like just it sounds silly, but just hearing English is such a thing that I think I always took for granted growing up in the United States. And then when you go somewhere and you don't hear English at all, like when I was in Germany, anytime I would just even hear English on the street, I would always like turn my head. I'm like, who's, yeah. who's that? Who's speaking? I'm sure like for you, it's probably even fewer and farther between where you hear English. But if you do, you're probably like, whoa, what? That's that English? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's funny because one of our first like outings, I guess you could say, um, was to a market that's probably about a 20 minute walk. Um, and we walk most places just because getting a taxi it's not that it's difficult but um 
the cars here, most of them don't have air conditioning and the temperature here is a hundred and plus every day. So it's just easier to walk. Um, But one of our first trips to the market, um, one of the girls that I came with didn't bring or got a lot of her stuff taken away at security. Um, So she needed like body wash, shampoo, like everything that she thought she was going to have with her, Mm -hmm. they took away and now she needed. And we were in the market and the bottles are obviously written in Russian. Okay. And we're looking at it and we were like, well, if we didn't have someone to translate, she'd probably would have been buying like shampoo and using it as body wash or <laughs> and even those things that are so minute when you think about it and not really something you can plan for. Yeah. Really just make that much of a difference. Oh yeah. 100%. And it's, it's always fun. You know, sometimes it's just a guessing game, you know, you're just looking at like a bottle or you're like, mm, that probably looks like shampoo or, <laughs> and it's a, it's a mystery. It's a surprise. <laughs> so yeah. did all the American players that are in the team now or come over with you this time, are they all coming from the college game as well? Uh, yeah. At least when they first got here, they were, they were either, right out of it or a year out of it okay yeah awesome and so your college career started at monmouth correct in new jersey yes very nice so what what was kind of if we go back a little bit to give the listeners some context on your career so far what was your decision making process in winding up choosing to go and play college soccer and then choosing to play for monmouth and i mean i know you're from New Jersey. So maybe that played a a factor for a little bit for you. Yeah. Um, I mean, I always knew I wanted to play in college. Um, I think we always kind of say that as we are past it, like, Oh, I always knew that I wanted to play, but Hmm. uh, I think when you, when you know, you know, Um, same thing for me wanting to play after college. Like I, I knew I wasn't done with my career. Um, Choosing to play at Monmouth. Honestly, when I was first looking at colleges, I did not want to be close to home. I was like, I want to get out of the state. I want to be somewhere far. I want to have a good experience, live the real college life. Mm-hmm. Monmouth is 30 minutes away from where I was living at the time. <laughs> so you took a quick so, turn on that spot. <laughs> I took a real quick turn. <laughs> um, but it was a lot of because they had just gotten a social work program and social work is exactly what I wanted to study. Um, And I could go all the way through a master's degree with the program, which was a big for me. Um, The coach there, Chrissy Turner, I had her in ODP um, and I loved her then. So I thought that having that relationship would make it easier once I got there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then it being a top program in its conference, was kind of just that last little thing that I was like, yeah, this is, this is going to be a good spot for me. Um, despite it being so close to home, but you can't have everything. Um, and I would not take back those four years for anything. They were a great four years. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, the, the resume sort of speaks for itself. (laughs) I mean, all four years, right. You won the Mac and countless accolade, you know, going to the NCAA tournament each year countless individual accolades as well. What was that four-year run like for you? 
I don't even know if I could put it into words. I mean, it started out really rough, as I'm sure it does for a lot of people. Freshman year is not always the easiest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just got better and better each year. And the team just got better. The girls got better. Um, we did a lot in the background to make sure that we were as cohesive as we needed to be going into every match. Um, Coach did a really good job of making sure we understood each other as players, not just on the field, but also off the field. Uh, We did a lot of like leadership building. Um, We took, uh, what are they called? The, uh, the Briars, Byers, uh, Myers Briggs. Yeah. Myers Briggs test that like personality test. Yeah. We took the personality test one summer and then that fall during meeting talking about this person's like this and they respond well to this type of coaching or um, this person's like this and they respond to this. And that's one thing that stands out as being really helpful because then you, you get a better understanding of, well, like this girl doesn't really respond to the yelling, but this yeah. one kind of needs it to motivate her. Um, and I think a lot of those background things that we did helped us to be as successful as we were, but then also helped everyone individually kind of, be their best self which I know sounds super corny and as I'm saying it it feels super corny <laughs> but it's so real I mean I I think if we didn't do a lot of those background things a lot of the off the field things that we did we wouldn't have been able to make it as far as we did every year because I mean going four years conference champions we were I think by my senior year um, on our seventh regular season championship and I believe that was from the time that we entered the MAC because we were we haven't always been in the MAC. Mm-hmm. But to have a team that's that successful, you need to be doing all of that stuff off the field. And I mean, like I said, I would not change any of that for anything, even despite all of those really really bad moments. And there were plenty. Yeah, but I'm sure all the bad moments made each year lifting that trophy that much that much sweeter and that much more worth it. And it's interesting that you bring up the team camaraderie kind of off the field as well. Cause I think that's something that we can all relate to that. There's a, there's a bit of a balance, right? Like you want to, oftentimes the best teams that you're a part of are teams that fit and gel really well together off the field as well. Um, but there's always that balance between like, well, are they, do you get along well, but you also work hard or are you just like, good friends that like to you know hang out and party off the field and all that stuff like we've all been a part of teams where maybe it's a bit more clicky a bit more divided and there's smaller kind of groups within a team and that often doesn't lead to that cohesiveness and that success on the field so it sounds like you guys had that perfect balance of everyone's here everyone's super motivated to try and move towards this goal but you were also able to do some of the things off the field to, to stay connected and stay as a group that would could go into each year and, and try and have some success. Yeah, absolutely. And (laughs) I can't speak for the guys side of it, but I've definitely been on very clicky women's teams before, and it's not a fun place to be. Not at all. No, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, no, we, and it's crazy to think that it was four years. So I had three classes above me and then three classes below me and nothing changed the entire time. Everyone, I mean, I don't want to say everyone got along, but 
we got along probably as best as you possibly could. And how many of those years were you, did you feel like you were in a leadership position in that team? Did you feel like even kind of right after that freshman year, you were one of the girls that everyone sort of looked to, to set the tone? And, and I mean, I know by your senior year, you were definitely a captain. Were you a captain junior year as well? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say freshman year. I'd say probably sophomore year is when I started to feel that I was in a leadership position. Um, I think freshman year put things into perspective. Um, I know we were told, one of the first things that we were told was um, we were probably all the best girls on our club team or best girls on our high school team. And mm-hmm. now we're put back in a pool where, well, everyone was the best girl. So who's the best now? Um, kind of on a lot more of an evil playing evil even playing field than we probably were before then. Um, So I think freshman year was me getting used to that and Mm. me trying to find where I had fit in, in the group. Um, Cause we already had two really amazing center backs and um, we had good center mids too. And that was the other position that I could play. So I was really battling for a spot my freshman year. By sophomore year, I think I fell into place, um, found where I was supposed to be and was able to start growing from there. Um, definitely by junior year, I mean, being a captain gives you responsibilities, but it doesn't mean, or not being a captain doesn't mean that you don't have those responsibilities either. Yeah. Um, so... Probably about my sophomore year is when I started to feel that I was a leader. Um, And then, I mean, junior year, I was given that title. But I think you have leaders in a lot of different ways. 100%. Are there anything that, is there anything that you feel as if there's something that people don't understand maybe about how much more difficult it is to be in a leadership position than you know, cause there's more now that's on your plate than just coming in every day and training and coming in every day and playing a game. There's a little bit more that's asked of you. Did you ever have moments or situations where you felt like, okay, this is actually, this is tough to be able to handle this and, and playing, right. Cause you have to handle yourself being at a good level, but there's a lot more on your plate now. Yeah. Um, I think a misconception about a captain is that a lot of people think it's the most talented player on the field or on the team, uh, or it's the fittest person on the team, or it's the loudest person on the team. When the reality of it is captains are usually those that are able to handle the pressure of being a captain. Um, They're not necessarily the best person on the team, but the way that they show up every day is consistent and uh, sets the tone for the rest of the group. Mm. It's also a lot of those things off the field. So yeah, you show up every day and you're prepared. You're early to practices. Usually one of the last to leave, making sure that like ball bags, cones and everything are taken with people, all of the logistical things that come with being a captain, but it's also making sure off the field, your team is being smart. Are they doing things that they're not supposed to and not taking responsibility. Are they taking responsibility? Are they doing classes because we're 
student athletes at that point. So the student part of it comes first. Um, it's a lot more responsibility of everyone and it, it can definitely be overwhelming. There were plenty of times over those two years as being captain where I was like, wow, this is a lot. And I shouldn't have to feel responsible for the other 26 girls on the team, but as captain, I am. And it is my responsibility to hold them to a high standard. Um, but it's also extremely worth it yeah. because I mean, you represent the team, you're the face of the team. And as much as all the bad things reflect onto you, so do a lot of the good things. So if you can make sure that all of those little annoying things are in place, then you come out as champions and people look and say, well, she was part of leading them to that because she was in that leadership role. So it's yeah. a, it's a win, lose, give and take kind of situation. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, there's, there's a lot more on the line, but there's a bigger reward than at the end, if you can, if you can pull it off and be successful. And when you're in college athletics, like you said, there's so much more that goes on now behind the scenes you know, you're dealing with everyone is between the ages of 18 and 22 and everyone has different interests and stuff they want to do off the field. And there's school now and there's work and family and all sorts of different things that, that play into it. And again, you're just trying to figure those out, not only for yourself, but be responsible for a bunch of others in your team as well. And, and I can attest to that too, it like being a senior um, and I wasn't a captain of my team and, you know, I'm, I'm out there making sure TJ is not out here getting into trouble. And the reason I, the reason I bring that up is uh, for those who don't know, Jess is a sister of a former teammate of mine in college, Tyler Johnson. So shout out TJ. I'm sure he'll be listening to this episode, but so important to, again, like you mentioned, there's so much now that goes into off the field that now if you can pull it off, the reward is that much greater. But I want to go back to one quick thing that you said in that when you arrived in college, you had that that conversation of, hey, you might have been the best player for the past however many years, but now everybody was the best player. And I think probably even more now that's emphasized to you playing professionally, because now it's not only like you were the best player in your in your area, in your state, and now it's like, okay, you were one of the everyone here was one of the best players, maybe in their country, you know, you have girls playing for their national team or you have girls who have played pro for years. Like now that level just takes a whole nother jump up. Did you, or did you experience that? Or are you kind of still adjusting to that idea now? Um, it, it's, it's a very nerve wracking thing when you think, Oh wow, I'm a professional player. Because the first thing that happens, at least for me and for a lot of the girls that I know, um, is you sign with an agent. And the moment the pen hits the paper, you are a professional athlete, which, again, raises those standards and everything that you're held to. And I don't even know if I've really had the moment where it's clicked yet. And mm -hmm. I mean, at this point, I've played two Champions League games, which is huge and something that a lot of girls probably will never get to experience even at a professional level. Um, 
So I think I'm still kind of processing it, but I've thought about it a lot. And I think we constantly go through new beginnings in our life. You go into high school and it's a new beginning. You go into college, it's a new beginning. You go out into the real world and it's a new beginning. And before you get there, it always feels so scary because you're looking at people in that spot and you're saying, wow, they've done a lot to get there. They've worked, worked really hard. How am I ever going to do that? Like that seems so far out of reach, but then you get there and you realize that everything that you've done before that moment has led you to that moment. So I think for me, maybe it hasn't hit me because that's my mindset going into it where I've spent the last 22, 18, however many 18 years of my life training to be in this spot. So Mm -hmm. I deserve it as much as the girls next to me. Um, And from here, it's definitely a battle because like you said, I'm competing with girls that are the best in their area and better than the best in their area. I mean, we have one girl um, who just came back from the Olympics. She was playing with the Zambian national team. And it's kind of scary to think about that. I'm playing side by side with girls that are in the Olympics, but Mm -hmm. we've done the same kind of work to get to where we are. And as long as we continue to put that effort in, it doesn't make as much of an imbalance as an outsider looking at it might think it does. Yeah. Yeah. I love that answer because I think it goes to show what's that what the professional athlete mindset really is and has to be and that's something that I always try and do on this podcast is try and just shine a light onto like what the what the mind is like of an athlete you know and that that thing that you just said about yes I I can respect the fact that some of these girls have had careers so far and done amazing things but like when I show up here you and I are the same. I've done just the same amount of work to get here. I deserve to be here. I belong to be here. And it's why, you know, people will interview players of of any sport. And when they just arrive on the scene, always the best ones are the ones that are like, yeah, I don't care that I'm a rookie. I don't care that I'm, you know, 18 or 19 or 20 and I'm playing against people who've been playing for years. I'm here and I'm going to try and be the best and I'm going to go and try and beat out everyone in front of me. So I love that answer. I do. Cause that's like, that's what it is. You know, you can't, you can have a, you can have respect, but you also can't give too much respect or, or have a fear going into it. You have to be confident. Yeah, exactly. I, I struggled with that for a bit in the beginning. Um, part of it was me trying to adjust to being um, 10 hours behind on a clock than what I'm used to. The food is way different here. Um, like I said earlier, the temperature is hot, very mm. hot. Um, hottest days that we've had here, sometimes it's 111 degrees. Oh my gosh. Um, and you step outside and you start to sweat. It's insane. Um, but the first week or so that I was here, I'd go out to practice and would be recovering from jet lag and trying to make sure that I'm eating and getting, staying hydrated And I'd just be out there and I'm thinking to myself, do I really deserve to be here? These girls are good. And I know I am too, because I mean, I've gotten to this point in my life. 
someone somewhere has put me here and I had that moment where it clicked where I was like you know what I I am good enough I have worked equally as hard as every single girl here and sure some of them have a couple of years on me in the professional world but that, that doesn't mean that I shouldn't be put on the same level as them yeah and once I kind of had that realization to myself, that self-realization, I was able to perform a lot better. I had honestly more self-respect because I wasn't constantly putting myself down and it just became more fun. And I think it's so much better when you're having fun with it than when you're just dreading getting up and going to practice and having two a days or having a lift and then run and whatever it is. Um, and it's a tough mental block to get by, but once you do it, it's just, you just feel so free and it's just so much better. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad that you came to this realization. Like you said, you've only been here for a couple months, but the earlier you can do that, the better your career becomes and the better the football that you start to play is, you know, like it's 100% what you said. If you're, if you're happy on and off the field, that's going to help you play your very best. I know it was something I've spoken to on this podcast before when I was playing in Denmark that I struggled with that a lot. Like I would go into training and I would be like, okay, like I came all the way over here to play soccer and every single pass, touch, shot, anything, I was just, just critiquing the heck out of myself. And if, you know, if I had a great practice, I'd be going home and be like, oh, that was awesome. Like, this is why I came. If I had a terrible practice, I'd be like, I came all the way over here to play soccer and I look like the worst player ever. And (laughs) for me, it was like, I'm, and I'm still working on it to this day of finding more of a middle ground, right? Like finding more of a way to go into practice and be confident in myself, be confident, as you mentioned, all the work that you've put in to get to this point. And then, like you said, playing free on the field every single day is going to allow for better performance for you. So like I said, I'm happy that you've been able to work through that now because I'm sure there's some players maybe that you'll speak to in, in your career that will still be going through that or still be a year or two later in their career, still kind of having maybe a bit of that imposter syndrome where they show up to training and they're like, do I really belong here? Yeah. I mean that finding that middle ground um, that actually made me think before I left um, one of the things Tyler said to me actually um, and my mom too, she reiterated it to me before uh, she dropped me off at the airport um, was that you're going to have bad days. Everyone has bad days. It's going to happen. It's probably going to happen early Mm -hmm. and it might happen often, but you always have to come back to the understanding that you do deserve to be here. You do deserve to be there. You have put the work in and no one's perfect. And I think as athletes specifically, a lot of the time we think we need to be perfect And having the title as a professional athlete, especially makes you think that you should always be perfect. Every Mm -hmm. pass should be exactly where it's supposed to go. Every shot should be in a corner somewhere. Um, 
just all of the little things that you mentioned need to be perfect every second of every day, no matter what. But that's, that's not what it is. It's not what it ever has been. And it's not what it's ever going to be like, because you can't ask for perfection. But if you can walk away from one of those practices where you're like, wow, I did not hit anyone's feet at any point. No shot was on target. I couldn't defend for my life. Absolutely nothing went right. If you can walk away from something like that and learn from it, but also just kind of brush it off your shoulder and just be like, yeah, that was just one practice. It's fine. Everyone has a bad day. Then you do have that mindset. You have the ability to be able to move forward. And I think that's one thing that people that end up going pro might have over those that don't, um, at least having that ability to continue moving forward, despite the countless number of setbacks you may feel that you are going through. And it's not really a setback. You made a mistake. It happens. Yeah. It happens a lot. Yeah. And I think, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. It's probably one of the things that defines or really makes a pro is their ability to kind of ride that roller coaster a little bit within from game to game, practice to practice, but also like within your career, you know, there's going to be times where maybe you don't have a contract or you're playing with a team where it's not going well, or you get injured, all those types of things you have to be able to bounce back from. But again, game to game, train to training is where you see it day in and day out. It it brought up, uh, you just mentioning that it made me think of a story of a player who was playing in the States, I think in the second division in like the USL and they had his team had signed a, a player that used to play in the Premier League in England, and they were all like so excited and like just waiting to see like what this player was going to be like as he came in. And this first session, they said they went into like a game, like a small sided game, and the goalkeeper rolled the ball to him, and he took a terrible first touch right to the other team, and the other team scored right away. <laughs> and they were like, "What?" But they said the hu- the biggest difference. They were like, oh, "Okay." I understand why he's had as much success is the very next time the goalkeeper picked up the ball. He went and did the exact same thing. He was like, give me the ball. Then he turned, played a good pass. And then like his team scored a goal or or made a good chance. But like, that's, that's the type of mentality that you're talking about. You know, there's a lot of players who will make that mistake and then they're in their head and maybe they shy away and, and it affects the rest, maybe the next 10 minutes, maybe the next 30 minutes, maybe the rest of the session but those best ones are the ones that you're talking about where you make a mistake. Okay. That almost, it didn't happen. Now I'm on to the next one. Right. Yeah. Um, and honestly, as a defender, it's probably one of the best skills you can have because you're, you're bound to make a mistake. And unfortunately as a center back, if you make that mistake, it will likely lead to a goal. Mm-hmm. So you have to be able to not switch off for even half a second. It's, oh, crap in my head, but I'm right back on that. Like, I made a mistake and I'm going to fix it right now because I have to and because that's my job. Yeah. Um, And I don't know about you, but I've always found defending to be sort of like a thankless job. It's, you know, it's it's always... 
if you get beat, it's so obvious, right? Like everyone sees, oh, they just got, they just got burned. Like the striker drove right past them. And like you said, if you make the mistake, then you're probably getting scored on. But it's like attackers, you can play, you know, 15 balls into your striker's feet and they can do, uh, okay, a couple plays, it was positive, a couple plays, they lost the ball. There's not that same, there's not that same pressure. But then if it's a defender, if you make an awesome tackle, everyone's like, okay, like, well done. But that's what you're supposed to do. It's like, (laughs) all right, (laughs) how can I win here? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. We do. We do this 1v1, 2v2 and so on drill here. And I kind of love it. Um, but that's because I, I like doing that style of 1v1s and so on. Mm-hmm. But every time we get that, it's if we win the 1v1s, if we win the 2v1s, it's almost like the offense didn't work hard enough. Or it's like, you got lucky or like yeah, every now um, and then you get a good job, nice step or whatever. Um, <laughs> and it's so unfortunate because defense works really hard. We do. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a defender, but I mean, we've played in games. We've played a bunch of um, boys teams here. And unfortunately it's been us mainly playing defense against them. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we work really hard to get the ball up there. And if a forward messes up, it's like, all right, next one, you guys, like, it's fine. But then it's back down our throats. If we mess up, then it's, what were you thinking? Why did you do whatever it is that you just did? Yep. And it is really unfortunate because even when you think of, like, the way people get stats, is you get stats for goals, you get stats for assists. Um you don't get stats for how many defensive tackles you've won. You that's it's not a thing. You don't get no. stats for any whatever other things that you would have done on defense. That's it's not it. Goalies get stats for saves and shutouts, mm-hmm. but there's no defensive stats that you get. And it's unfortunate, but for me I've always kind of seen it as definitely thankless, but almost it almost makes it even more important because I don't know how to explain it it's I've always appreciated defense for what it is despite not getting the recognition yeah I don't know it's it's bothered me the way that we don't get it the same way that offense does but it's almost made me appreciate it more because I know personally how important we are, even though others might not always see it. Um, And then I just kind of sit back and laugh and I'm like, it's, you think it's one thing and you're making comments on whatever, but I know what I did and I know it was either good or bad. Yeah. And I think it kind of, like you said, it, it gives you more appreciation for it. So it's almost like there's a different I don't know, maybe, maybe different code isn't the right word, but like, there's a different standard sort of that, you know, like if you go out and you watch a center back, that's really, really good. They might not even make that many tackles in a game, but you understand like what it takes to be a really good defender. And you can watch them and be like, wow, that's, that's a good player right there. Where as somebody who's maybe a bit more new to the game or doesn't understand the game at quite the same level, 
they wouldn't really think anything of it. They'd just be like, oh, okay, they're a defender. They didn't do much that day. But remember when that striker did a scissor and then scored? So I, I definitely <laughs> I definitely get that. I get how it changes kind of the way you look at defending as a whole and, and other players that are defenders. Yeah, I you actually just reminded me. Um, one of the girls here at one point made the comment that um, – the center back has the easiest job on the field and <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> I'm sure you love that. Yeah. I love that comment. No, I have, I've had people say similar things like that before and not, I mean, for me, I don't think it's that difficult of a job, but it's also naturally where I'm supposed to be. So I, have the mindset of it and I've been doing it for 18 years so Mm -hmm. it should be easy Um, but I've had people make the comment and then they've been put as a center back and then they come out later and say oh wow that that wasn't easy that was actually really hard yeah because to me at least I think center back is a lot more of a mental game than it is physical 100% yeah we might not get a lot of action back there all the time but you constantly have to be tuned in mentally. You're talking to every single person in front of you, next to you, behind you, trying to read the play before it happens. Um, And that's not a lot of, that's not a thing that a lot of people are able to do. Having vision on the field is not a very popular skill. We more so think people are fast. They're technical um, or fast and technical, but you don't always hear about a person having really good vision. Um, And I think that's what makes a good center back. So it's not something that's physical that you see, but it does make the job a lot more difficult and not again, something that you're often thanked for having. Um, But I love it. I love being a center back. I really do. Yeah. It, It even ties in a little bit back to when we were having our conversation about leadership before how, especially from a defensive side of the ball, it's almost as if you need to kind of understand what everyone's role is on the field, because you need to, like you said, push and pull all the different players in front of you to get them into the right positions. And it's more about your, like you said, your vision and your, you know, your overall understanding of the game, like your soccer IQ, than it maybe is necessarily just your physical and and technical attributes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah, I can say I've never met too many very fast center backs. It's not really something that makes a I mean I don't want to say something that makes a good center back, but it's not one of the top qualities of a good center back. Yeah. Um because if you can read the play well enough, you can put yourself in a position to not have to sprint or to not have to um, put in too much extra work to cover someone, or you should be able to at least communicate to others where they should be. Like you said, center mids, forwards, whoever it is, communicate to them where they should be to minimize a problem that you kind of see happening. Um, so it's the mental game of it, I think, makes it pretty fun for me too, because it's a lot of analyzing the play and trying to read ahead and I just enjoy that too 
Yeah, it's yeah, it's almost like a like a chess game. Like you can see the whole game from from the from that perspective and and kind of put the pieces of the puzzle together. And so I you mentioned before that as you were kind of coming towards the end of your career at Monmouth and playing, you felt as if there was like you said, you just weren't done. You knew you your career wasn't finished. And you know, we talk about this idea of of pulling the maybe playing the chess game or putting the pieces of the puzzle together. Did you ever, did you ever imagine that just a, a couple months later, you would be putting those pieces together, screaming it out in Russian to, to the players to your left and right and, and doing it in a, in a pitch in Kazakhstan? <laughs> I think if you were to ask any of the foreigners here that question, we would all respond. No. <laughs> um, I had never heard of Kazakhstan before my agent brought it up to me everyone that I told that I was coming here kept asking me is it safe where is it what's it like there of course I got the Borat comment a hundred times I'm sure (laughs) Um, yeah that's a fun one people make the comment here and the Kazakhs don't understand what that means at all (laughs) and I'm not sure if they would be uh I'm not sure if they would laugh at him or be offended by him but I'm guessing maybe a bit offended. <laughs> probably at least a little bit. Yeah. Um, if they were even understanding what it was that he was saying. But no, I definitely, definitely didn't. Let's take a break to talk about support for the In the Eleven podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the waist grooming. Their products are precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code 11 at manscaped.com. Now, if my math is correct, that's about 8 million balls. Now, listen, here's the deal, gentlemen. The Performance Package 4.0 has arrived, and it is a game changer. Now, I know we got a lot of ballers out here, right? We got a lot of coaches out here. A lot of you, I know in your sessions, in your games, you're constantly saying, you got to take care of the ball but you're not taking care of your own. It's crazy. It's it's wild. And we got to change that here. And Manscaped's going to help you do that. So first off, we've got the Lawnmower 4.0, and it is the future of men's below-the-waist grooming. And that is because of their advanced skin-safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is also waterproof. It has a 400K LED spotlight. So no more going blind in the bathroom, getting hair all over the floor, right? pop in the shower, you've got the light as well, easy, and you're done. On to the next one. Now, same goes for that Weed Whacker, the Manscaped Weed Whacker for your ear and nose hair trimming necessities. You've got the proprietary skin-safe technology, which is going to help reduce with nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate, sensitive areas. Now, last but not least, we can't forget about the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Ball Toner. A lot of you guys, I know you've got a routine with your recovery, right? You've got pre-game rituals, you've got post-game rituals, a recovery routine that you do after, right? Hop in an ice bath, whatever it is. You have to add your below-the-waist care to that. You've got to take care of your balls, gentlemen. You don't want to be playing 90 minutes, and then you come in, and you're sweaty and disgusting, and you're not taking care of yourself. You've got to do it. And Manscaped, like I said, is here to help you in that department. And who knows, maybe that special someone that's in your life coming to the game, watching you play, 
you know, you play a good 90 minutes, maybe you bag a goal. I don't know. You want to be ready. You want to be prepared. You don't want to be in a situation where you are left without Manscaped. Now, just because Manscaped is hooking you up and they want to take care of you, the Performance Package 4.0 has a couple of goodies thrown in there. They've got the Manscaped boxer briefs and they threw in a little carry-on bag just to travel with all of your Manscaped products, whether you're going for an away game, right? It's a road trip, you're in a plane, whatever. Chuck all your Manscaped products in there. You don't have to think about it. You can forget about it and make sure that you're still taken care of. So it is time, gentlemen, because your balls will thank you. It is time to take care of yourself. So go to manscaped.com and get 20% off with free shipping using the code 11. That's 20% off with free shipping using the code 11, E-L-E-V-E-N at manscaped.com. That is 20 whole percent off of your order. 20% off your order with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code 11, unlock your confidence, and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. I think Kazakhstan or any sort of Russian anything, um, we actually had a former Mammoth player come and talk to us my sophomore year, I think. Um, and her first contract was in Russia. And she had talked about how terrible her experience was and how scared she was for her life the entire time. Um, wow. So thinking about that wasn't very comforting for me coming to Kazakhstan, of course. Mm-hmm. But honestly, this experience has taught me so much already. And I've only been here for two months. Um, and like I was telling you earlier, it is the culture here is so different than it is in the States. Nothing can prepare you for it. And I don't say that in a bad way, but I was talking to one of the girls, one of the Americans that's been here since January or so, um, asking her questions like, what's it like? What are the coaches like? And kind of all the questions that a first timer usually asks. Mm-hmm. And she was trying to prepare me, telling me it's really hot. Um, air conditioning in cars is not really a thing. Like all of the little things that you would want to know coming in. And even knowing all of them, I don't think that I was fully prepared. But yeah, I mean, seriously, this experience has taught me so much about myself and about who I am as a player and what I can be doing. Hopefully I, <laughs> hopefully I don't end up in a Russian speaking place for too long because Russian is not an easy language to learn. No, you know, not at all. Different. It's, it's a lot, but it's also kind of fun uh, when you have a lot of the other girls talking to each other in Russian or Kazakh and yelling and you're just standing there. Like I have literally no idea what's going on right now. I <laughs> could not guess what you were saying to each other. Are you picking up any of the language? Are you trying to learn a little bit? <laughs> um, I had started Duolingo when I first got here. Uh-huh. Um, I've stopped it since then. I was doing it for a while, but it wasn't teaching me um, the conversational language that I needed to know on the pitch. Uh, I ended up having to just ask some of the other players how do I tell a girl she's got a man on right or a man on left or how do I say step and drop? Yeah. So those types of things I picked on pretty quick, picked up on pretty quickly. And 
just talking with some of the other Kazakhs, I've picked up on some other Russian. I would not say I'm fluent by any means. <laughs> I can say like, this is a house and that's about it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I've picked up on it a little bit. Enough to play in the games, but not enough to have conversations with people outside of soccer. Gotcha. So what was something, I know you said, right, you, you keep bringing this idea up of it's just the comp- polar opposite of the states, right? Like, yeah. definitely AC inside of a car is a huge one. Again, like I said before, maybe I hear English around me and I take that for granted. AC in my car, that's definitely one I, I now take for granted. What's something that you felt like was one of the biggest biggest shocks like that you just were not expecting when you came over like what was something that you it really sticks out to you that you were like okay I was not expecting this even it can be it can be even a small thing to be difficult or so different uh the first thing that comes to mind is um so we actually have two different locations here in Shimkent okay um Shimkent by the way is a very traditional area of Kazakhstan um some of the girls joke that it's like being back in the eighties. Like they feel like they've gone back in time. Mm-hmm. Being, um, We have two different locations. So the one that I'm, we refer to just as old Baza. Mm-hmm. Um, the field is literally right outside my window. So we live on site. Okay. Um, our other location is outside of the city. Um, so this one, we're also kind of city centered. Um, Our other location is outside the city. There's a lot more fields. There's grass fields and turf fields. Um, We also live on site there. But it being outside of the city, there's a lot more farmland. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest initial shocks was just walking down the street and there's two cows on the sidewalk also walking down the street. (laughs) And then and the next day we're walking down the street and it was a herd of sheep walking down the street too. Um, and they were, they're people's animals. They're owned. So yeah. it's, it's not like they're wild cows, but I had never imagined that I would be walking down the street with a cow or a sheep. <laughs> and now like every day. Now it's just normal. Home. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it might, I might as well have them as a pet. It's like walking a dog in the States. It's totally normal. No one bats an eye. Cows are crossing the street. Cars are stopping for them. Like it's totally normal. It wasn't Man, for me. It's crazy. It's totally normal here. Yeah. How is the, how is the, like, are you staying in an apartment? Are you staying in a house with a bunch of the other players? Like what's the living conditions like to maybe give someone you know, a little bit more insight into what a contract like this kind of looks like for a player. Yeah. Um, So I think we actually have a really unique situation here where we live on site. Um, We don't have to pay for housing. It's, they're technically hotels. So both of our locations are technically hotels that the players live in. Gotcha. Uh, Our team, we each get our own room. Um, so it's basically just like, I'm in a hotel with my own room. Um, one of the Americans is right next door to me. 
most of the girls are on the other side of the hall. Um, and it's really nice because we are all very close to each other because we live right next door. Yeah. Uh, I, but I think that's really unique. A lot of the other girls that I know um, either have an apartment with a couple of other girls on the team. Um, I've heard of very few that live with a host family. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty rare these days. Um, but yeah, our situation is very unique in that we um, get housing on site and don't have to worry about like trying to find a car to get there. We certainly don't drive here. That's actually one of the other things. Driving here, oh my goodness, <laughs> it is wild. Not just the air conditioning, but the actual driving itself. Yeah. Um, there's like no lines on the road, but there's like four lanes of cars both ways. Oh God. It is absolutely insane when you get in a car, but you're, I mean, you're totally safe. These people know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But if anyone tried to drive like that in the States, mm, (laughs) that'd be a no. There'd be cops everywhere. So I'm guessing you're not actually the one that's driving to and from training. Is it someone else or have you actually hopped behind the wheel over here? Oh, I would never get behind a wheel over here. (laughs) No, but seriously, the field is like right out my window. So I walk down, I walk down the hall, down the stairs, outside mm-hmm. in the field right there. And that's where we practice. And if, um, if we do have to drive to a game, we just take a team bus. So we okay. all travel together. Um, yeah, no, I, I wouldn't ever try driving here. Would not dare. No. And so you've been playing in the league in Kazakhstan, but you said you've also been playing some Champions League as well. I know you were in Scotland recently and... Do have you had any other away Champions League uh, matches? So unfortunately, we lost our second Champions League game to Glasgow City in like the last fifteen minutes. Okay. And with the new, um, with the new way that they're doing Champions League for the women this year, that means we're out. So we're done. Um, we needed to win those first two games to move on. Mm-hmm. So those were the only away games. It was being back in an English speaking country was definitely a change. Yeah. Uh, a change. Um, it was nice. Scotland is gorgeous. I highly recommend it to anyone who wants to travel and see anything from city life to country life and to just be in awe the whole time. Um but no, unfortunately, no more Champions League games for this year. Oh, okay. Um, we're just playing Kazakh League games. Being, though, that you got to go to Scotland and play against a big club in Glasgow, and, and again, like you mentioned, hearing a little bit more English, maybe being in a culture that's a little bit similar to to the American, just a bit. Um, and as you said, maybe Kazakhstan isn't, you know, where we'll play the next 10 years of our career. Was there anything, you know, is there anything that you're feeling like on the horizon? Okay. I want to try and do well and, and maybe, and maybe move up or maybe move to a, a different location or something like that. What is a, maybe I'm sure this is something you've spoken about with your agent, maybe kind of before even coming here or now that you're over here, you're probably in talks about this type of thing. Like how do you kind of see the early stages of your career mapping out? 
Yeah, uh, it's definitely been a thought a lot because um, my contract here is up at the end of October. Oh, wow. Um, I have to be thinking about, do I resign? Do I try to go somewhere else? Um, and I think being in Scotland opened my eyes a little bit more to other things that I want in a club. Um, it showed me the good side of being able to speak English freely and understand signs and everything. Um, but I wouldn't know that if I didn't come here, I wouldn't know how important, how important a lot of the things that I want would have been if I didn't come here, because I wouldn't have had kind of the other side of those things. Um, and I have loved my experience with this team so far. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate that there are some not so great things that I've been thinking a lot about. Um, but I don't know. I have been back and forth on a lot of different decisions that I want to make. And I've been talking to my agent, talking to my parents, of course, um, trying to, they of course want me to be a lot closer to home because who wants their child halfway around the world, 10 hours different in the time. Yeah. Um, I loved being in the UK and it would be pretty ideal for me to be there. I don't want to say end up there, um, but to just be there. Um, and I would love to stay in champions league because I think there's a lot of big competition there and it's not something I want to step away from too soon. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't have really specifics. I love the game enough to just be happy. Um, as long as I'm being challenged. So. I like that. Yeah. I didn't realize though that your contract was up that, that soon. Is that just the way that the season works? There's just a bit of a shorter season. Yeah. Um, most of the contracts here go, I think from October to October. Mm -hmm. So me signing in July just kind of made it July to October. And then if she signs again, then it'll just be the full year. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's, I think that's pretty standard for this club. It's it, it kind of gives you the opportunity to have a trial period for yourself and for the team yeah. to see both ways, if it's a good fit, um, which I'm really appreciative of because you know, signing a contract, your first contract and it being a full year is a big commitment a huge you, commitment yeah. yeah you have to know if you're going to be a good fit because anything could happen and it's not a bad thing for the team or for the coaching or for the girls it, sometimes it's just not a good fit sometimes it's a really good fit um, so having a shorter contract for me at least has given me um, the ability to see everything with an open mind and be willing to learn a lot more about who I am as a professional athlete. Yeah. And I think you brought up such a good point that I've kind of picked up along some of the different places that I've played is I think each place you mentioned how there's just certain things that you learn that, okay, yes, I do kind of want this in a contract or this in a place that I'm playing. And, and no, I don't want this. Like I know me when I first came out of college and wanted to go play, it was kind of that mindset of, 
I will play anywhere and, you know, for however much money and it doesn't matter. And, you know, there definitely is still an element of that where you said you just love the game and you want to play the game. Um, But there's other things too, you know, there's other things that you want or are looking for. And, you know, my first experience when I was in Germany, it was awesome. I love Germany, but I realized it was good that I had other foreign players with me that helped me in my, in my time. But the place that I was living in, like, (sighs) would not sign up for that again. So it's, it's just like, like you said, there's probably things about this and it would happen with any club, you know, even if you went to Scotland, I'm sure everything wouldn't be perfect, but you know, there's things about Kazakhstan that are like, yep, sign me up. And there's probably other things that are like, oh, I could, I could do without that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I don't think anyone goes looking for perfection especially their first time out. And I think probably a lot of us look at it in a really naive way. Like, like, oh my gosh, I'm going pro. Like I can go anywhere. I could do yeah. anything. You know what? It doesn't matter. And then you get there and you're like, but this does really matter to me. This not so much. And you find all of those little pieces that more than anything, just make the experience easier and better for you. Um, so yeah, Kazakhstan's not perfect, but no place is going to be. There's going to be yeah. some give and take no matter where you are. Um, but now being here, I know what's important to me and what I can, I guess, quote unquote, deal with um, if I have to kind of a thing for sure. Yeah, 100%. And I, I even noticed too, um, you know, for, especially for players that where they sign their first contract and it isn't with the top teams in the Champions League, if you're coming from a place, especially where you're coming from a place in college, um, like I just had interviewed a player the other day and he played uh, at Indiana and then he went and signed like uh, some contracts over in Finland. And it was like the difference between this, like the facilities and just everything when you're at a place like Indiana or even like Monmouth, you know, and then now like he's playing somewhere in Finland and it's like this tiny rinky dink little club. And there's like a half gym sort of, and, and all those types of things. Um but it's like, it's not something that you think about, but it's, you know, when you're in college, you're not getting paid. So the, the college can spend the money to build this beautiful dorm and beautiful turf field for you and locker rooms and weight rooms and athletic training and whirlpools and, and everything, the whole nine yards. And then now, you know, yes, you're a professional, but that money's going in your pocket. So you might not have all those same beautiful things that you had in college. And sometimes that's a bit of an adjustment for, for players yeah our our coach at Monmouth used to joke with us about how much we were pampered and how much we got and I would always roll my eyes at it because I was like what are you talking about like this is normal everyone has a coach everyone's got a trainer like we had gotten the whirlpool um I want to say my sophomore or junior year. So like that for us was like a huge step up. And it was that I was like, okay, maybe we're getting pampered a little bit (laughs) because this is really nice. Um, But yeah, you, you sign a pro contract thinking, well, I'm a pro player. Like this stuff should be standard. Like I should have my own whirlpool. Right. And my, (laughs) but no, I mean, not all clubs are like that. I mean, we, we have a very small med, um, 
medical staff. We have one doctor. Um, we have one, I'm not sure what her title is, but I know she does massages if you need a massage. Um, mm-hmm. No, she's our masseuse, I guess. Um, and that's it. And it works for this club. So that's kind of what you sign up for. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also an adjustment because you also have to be sufficient in a lot of other things, especially with the language barrier. Um, it's not always easy to tell her, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling a twinge here and I'm not really sure like what I, if I should be worried about it, like things that you can openly talk to a doctor to in the States back in college where you were like buddy, buddy with yeah. um, the sports med staff. I was very close with our, with our sports med person. Um, so those things are, are an adjustment that not all people, not all professional athletes have to learn to adjust to, but I think it's also a really important one um, because I think it's increasingly important as a pro athlete to be self-sufficient in all of those fields. You need to be able to read your body and know if this is something small that I'll get over in a day, or if this is something that I do actually need a doctor to check out. And another one of those things on your list of, is this something that I can deal without if I have to, or is this something that I'm going to need? Am I the type of player that has chronic issues with my ankle or my knee or whatever it is that I need to make sure I have a doctor that understands this, or am I able to deal with that on my own? So it's like those little things, those little switches from college to after college that you don't think are going to happen or you don't think are going to be a big deal um, that after being somewhere for the first time, you understand whether or not it's important for you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's why, again, I I go back to why I think I, part of the reason why I try and do things like this and have interviews like this is hopefully for other players who might be considering it, they can like, they can pick up something like that. You know, if they're like, okay, I'm in the, I'm in the training room every single day working on my ankle. They might listen to that and be like, Oh, okay. If I want to sign a pro contract, that might be something that I need to think about. But there's, you know, there's a lot of things probably that I didn't know, or you didn't know just, you know, we just went overseas and we're like, okay. And now we've just learned so much. Like, you know, you said in two months, you've already learned so much about what it's like to be a pro, what it's like to be a pro in another country. And, and that is growth is only going to continue for the next two months that you're on this contract here. Yeah. And I mean, I think this, what goes with that is that for first timeies, for us little um, rookie pro players out here, I think a lot of times we're scared to ask those questions beforehand. Yeah. And it, it goes into just being so excited to be anywhere. Um, but what you have to realize is once you become a pro athlete, you're in charge. The agent works for you. So it's their job to answer those questions. It's their job to put you in a place where you're going to be the most successful. So, and I appreciate that you do these podcasts because I think it's great. And I think it's going to help a lot of people in the future to be able to ask those questions and to be able to find a spot that they do feel comfortable and can start that professional growth from the get-go. They don't have to wait a year to realize all of these things that they want and need as a team. They can do it from the start. Um, Because there are a lot of things that go into it. My mom um, wanted me to keep a list of 
all of these little things that I'm realizing as I go along, like that I need or that I don't need that are important to me that aren't important so that I could have that list for the next set of girls looking to come to this team, asking those questions. Um, and I think, I think this podcast is a great way for you to help people get that word out. Yeah. Trying to, trying to formulate that list. Yeah. I love that. And I love that you brought up your mom too, as well. Cause it's something I brought up in the past that I, I a little bit had the idea of like, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm going to Germany. I need, I need some clothes. I need my soccer, <laughs> you know, I need my cleats. Like I need, and she, and like, I'm so thankful now to this day, but she did probably even more research than me about what I would actually need. And yeah all these other little things that I never even was really thinking about. Like I was just, again, like you said, so excited, definitely nervous to go. But, you know, one of the biggest things I always think back to is like in Europe, their outlets are different. So you have to get an outlet adapter so that you can plug in all your stuff. I would have fully gone and not (laughs) known that and then been like, why can't I charge my phone? And You know, fair enough. I could have just gone to a store and bought one when I got there. But like she knew that. And she knew, okay, you have to go and get one of those things and you have to have this and you have to have that. And like, so the, the, the mom piece of it, I love that too, because sometimes they're thinking about things that you're not even thinking about. And you're like, mom, I'm just going to play soccer. And they're like, well, you have to think about this and this and this and this. Yeah. It's like, mom, I'll be fine. I need my shin guards and cleats. That's it. Right. Yeah. I'm going to get everything else that I need while I'm there. But no, yeah, she was, my mom was the same with the, um, with the outlet converter, she gave me two sets that I <laughs> anywhere that I am. Like I was set for here. I was set for Scotland. I would have been set no matter where I was in the world. She gave me two full sets. Um, at first I just had like one of those normal surge protector, like line things, mm-hmm. but she switched it out and gave me a tower that I can plug in six different usbs as if i'm ever going to charge six things at once six things at once (laughs) oh my goodness no she but it's great and she's an extremely organized person and her and i have always made excel spreadsheets before we go anywhere to have everything outlined what we need so she's pulling up excel spreadsheets from past trips past soccer trips that i've taken and she's like make sure you have this 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 and this she's like take your inhaler in case you need it you haven't used it in six years you know who knows out there with the Kazakh air if you'll need it um she packed me with so much sunscreen like all of these things that I was kind of just thinking if I need it I'll find it there yeah Uh, but no it's great because she was she was the calm side of things and I was the panicky I just want to go just get me out there I'll be fine I'll deal with it whatever comes I'll be fine yeah Uh, so it was, it's really great to have her and to have her care enough to be able to think of those things that I was going to need. Yeah, 100%. And maybe I know, I know we've been going for a while, so I'll give you a chance to think of maybe one last Kazakh story while I, that story you just told bring, reminds me of something when I went over to Denmark and maybe we can end on a story from you and I'll get you out of here. Um, but my mom was the same way. Like I remember she used to, before I've gone to any place, she would like pack a bunch of food, like pack a bunch of snacks. She's like, well, you don't know when you'll be able to get to a store when you first get over there. So you want to have some food. And I'm like, it's fine. Like, I'm just going to buy food. But then I'm looking back on it. I'm like, those first couple of days, 
I needed those snacks because like I wasn't able to get to a store, you know, because I was trying to find, get to my place or I had training or whatever. So I'm like, thank God that I had those. But you brought up about the surge protector when I, the most recent trip I was in Denmark and I was staying with uh, something that the club had set up. It was a woman. She had like basically an extra kind of mini apartment in her house. Um, and I had the, it was like that box converter where you plug into the outlet. And then I had um, one of those surge protectors. That I was going to plug into that to then be able to plug in my, so yeah. just a lot of plugs and, and whatnot, <laughs> but, and it was right next to my bed. So I plugged that in first and then plugged the surge protector in and it went like pop. And there was like a flash of orange, like about to like, and this is like my first <laughs> night in this apartment. And I'm like, I am so close to just setting things on fire and I just got here. Oh my God. It was, it was scary. And I was like, okay, not doing that anymore. It's just one thing at a time. That's going to be able to be charged, but uh, maybe we can end on what I know we said in the, there's going to be so many Kazakhstan stories from, from the first two months. But is there any others that come to mind that you want to share to, to close us out? Yeah. Um, so me and a group of the girls on one of our off days decided we would, I guess, hire um, a tour guide to take us to a waterfall. Mm -hmm. And for those of you that don't know, Kazakhstan is a very dry area. Um, It's one of those countries where you can't drink tap water. So all the water you drink has to be bottled. Got it. Um, But it's very dry land. Uh, It, rarely ever rains here the fields are watered by like hoses sprinklers constantly 24 hours a day as long as no one's on the field they're going Hmm. well we were like cool waterfall in the middle of kazakhstan like how much uh, nature how much more nature could we possibly get (laughs) and that was it we were told we were going to be driven an hour and a half outside of the city And we were going to go see a waterfall. So here I am with my backpack fully packed. I've got my Kindle on there to read if I wanted to while we're sitting there at the waterfall. I've got snacks. I've got a towel. I've got a change of clothes because we were told we could swim. And we get about 15 minutes out. And the guide tells us through one of our girls translating for us because he only spoke Russian that he wants us to leave everything in the car, everything in the van, except for, um, I think he said, any of the food that we brought. So don't take any electronics with you, nothing. He doesn't want any phones out there, just the food you brought. So at this point, we're kind of like, okay, why does he feel about outsiders taking pictures? Is he concerned that it'll become some sort of tourist site that'll be, I don't know, we were confused. So we get out and as we start the hike, we were not told there was going to be a hike, but as we start the hike, he tells us that we're going to be trekking through water at some point that is chest high. So any of the bags we have with us, we'll have to carry over our heads. At this point, it was too late to turn back. We were already an hour and a half outside of the city. We were committed. Mm. Mind you, my bag probably weighed a good 10 to 15 pounds. So here I am all excited and everything, but now I have to hike straight up a mountain 
for a little over a mile. And then at the end of it, take my 10 to 15 pound bag and hold it over my head as I walk through chest high water, chest high freezing cold water. Oh my God. None of us were prepared for any part of that. I mean, this was like serious hiking. We were climbing over rocks that in the States would be like trails they warn you about going on. Make sure that you are (laughs) physically capable of doing this. Yeah. But honestly, it was so pretty once we got there. (laughs) It was worth worth it. Yeah. Worth the several near death experiences that it was. Because there were several times that I tripped on wet rocks. Um, but it's just another one of those things that makes Kazakhstan and Shimkent in particular just so unique. Because everything is as natural as it gets. Mm. I mean, he didn't think he had to tell us any of this. Because for them, it's like a weekend trip out to the waterfall. I mean, there were families of people going up and down the mountain um, to the waterfall and back. And it's second nature for them to be able to just be with nature. Um, and I think it's, it makes this culture extremely unique in that way. And it was overall just a really great trip and just allowed us to get that much closer to the people here. Wow. That's amazing. That was a good one. That was an excellent, excellent Kazakhstan <laughs> story to cap us off. Thank you. Well, yeah, I know. I know we've been going for a while and and I know it's 10 hours ahead, so you probably have to get some sleep soon. But thank you so much for for joining us today and for for sharing your experience of of everything that you've done so far in your career and and wishing you all the best of luck with the rest of the season. You'll have to keep keep us posted about what goes on with the rest of the season and and what's what's on the horizon after October. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. I look forward to listening to more of these podcasts in the future. Of course. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jess. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye.